0: Welcome to Amadon Planet. I'm your host, Joel Amadon. Thank you for joining me on this never-ending quest to learn how to teach better. Today on episode 81 of the podcast is Dan Antoine. Now, Dan is the director of programs for Ingham Okaboji Lutheran Bible Camps. You may have heard me talk about Okaboji in previous episodes of this podcast. Uh, I believe when we had Nancy Bartelt on a couple times, we talked about going to camp because we would go to camp together. Um, but then... Also, we talked about it in the uh, episode with Eric George, where we talked about this like year of discipleship and kind of you know teaching our our kids how to be adults. Because um, some of the experiences we had with our, our camp counselors when we went to go to family camp at Okaboji uh, kind of pointed me this idea of a year of discipleship or a year of kind of transitioning into adulthood and basically being intentional about a teaching of of kind of steps to get into that process anyway lots of influence from going to this uh Inga Lutheran Bible camps and Dan has been like the kind of the the figurehead that we see every time we go to camp cuz the counselors they kind of turn over there's some there's some constants there are some constants at camp but but Dan's always been there and Dan is like the uh worship leader but he's the program director of programs and so you see him all the time and you know you, you see like kind of like what he's in charge of and this kind of environment that he's in charge of kind of creating and knowing what that environment has done for my family and my children and seeing you know the the people that work there and actually having family that has worked there. Um, it's a special place. And so, you know, there's, and there's teaching going on there. And so wanting to like have a conversation about teaching and seeing the parallels between what they, what he does as a director of programs at Bible camp and what I do as a teacher of teachers here at the university of Mississippi and Amazon planet is all about learning how to teach better. And I just want to have a conversation like, Hey, what 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 secret sauce have you figured out, and you know what uh, how could I bring some of that into what I do here? and again, learning how to teach better doesn't have to always come from uh, and that's the lesson that we've seen in this podcast over and over again doesn't have to come from formal education spaces that are I mean we can we there's lots to learn there, but there's lots to learn from other spaces as well and so but Dan's also what I learned in this episode. Is Dan's also a, a trained teacher A trained elementary teacher Did not know that Which is again Another reason why To have this podcast is an excuse to have Good conversations with, with fun people And Dan shares a lot of Great golden nuggets In this uh, podcast episode I'm, I'm excited to share it with you um, also too, you know, there'll be links at the end, uh, in the show notes for this episode. If you're interested in learning more about Inga Mokoboji and, and what they do at their camps and all the different programs that they have opportunities, not only opportunities to attend, but it may be opportunities to get a job. Um, talk about at the end of the, uh, end of the episode where, you know, I point to a lot of my experiences working in camp. Type environments and training me, helping me gain some confidence as a teacher, and some of the <laughs> unpredictableness that can happen with uh, in those environments can help you like roll with the punches when you're when you're teaching in a formal school environment. Anyway, I'm excited to share this episode. I'm ex- excited to share this conversation. I was excited to have this conversation, and hopefully, that excitement comes through into your ears as you listen to what we're about to share. So without further delay, here is my conversation with Dan Antoine, director of programs for Ingham Okoboji Lutheran Bible camps up in Iowa. Welcome to on Planet. Dan, how are you? I'm doing
1: really great. Uh, we're, we're doing well up here in Northern Iowa, and that's uh, a chilly, chilly week ahead of us, but it is November after all.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and Dan, uh, Dan Antoine, so the director of programs at Ingham Okoboji Lutheran Bible camp. Yeah. Up in the, what I say is the great lakes of Iowa.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause Iowa only has a few lakes, Minnesota, <laughs> yeah. you know, to our North has 10,000 or more. Yeah, we, we, we got a few and yeah. five of them are right here in the Okaboji area. Yeah.
0: yeah when I tell people about going to family camp in the summer, I'm like, you know, you hit you hit the corn and you keep going and you keep going. And then when you think you have gone far enough, you keep going a little bit further and there it is. There it is. It just opens up the, and you you get to Okoboji, you get yourself a Scooter's coffee and then head down, which was, was amazing. Actually, this is a completely, I didn't tell you this. I, there's a Scooter's coffee in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to get, you know, the big joke with the family, like, I'm going to go get a scooters and like that, like, you know, roll up to the drive-thru and say, Hey, give me a large scooters. And then like, you're, you're not funny at all, <laughs> <laughs> old man, <laughs> stop it. But I was that's like, funny. so excited. I saw scooters in Madison, Wisconsin. Anyway, that's, so that's, that's not why we're here to talk about scooters coffee. So, um, <laughs> as we were saying before, uh, we hit the record button, like I'm just seeing, so you, you know, we I've known you. I can't remember. how. I've known you since I was at Madison, Wisconsin. So that was what, maybe 12 years, 12 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. And, and, you know, seeing you and how you operate, uh, you know, you were kind of the, the main figurehead of the family camps that we would go to and seeing what you're doing you know, with like with uh, groups of counselors that are turning over and and junior counselors become counselors, counselors become what head counselor, what's, what's the proper title, program director, program directors, yeah. and just seeing how you are, you know, kind of dealing with all, all of that and, and seeing some of that and, and then seeing some of the parallels with what we're doing uh, here, at, like at the university of Mississippi and in, in training up teachers and thinking about trying to keep some sort of, like, we have a DNA for what we do, but then there's, there's constant, uh, there's constant turnover and there's like bringing in uh, new people and trying to like say, Hey, here's, here's what it means to be a counselor. Here's what it means to be a teacher. And so wanting just to have a discussion and thinking about, well, what is it like to, you know, to, to be in that role and, and see what it's maybe we we could have a little back and forth about thinking about how do we can be better at, at what we do. So that was, that was kind of the main yeah. thoughts around this conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. You mentioned the timing because uh, you know, I I was a counselor here after my freshman year of college back in the summer of 2002, and wow. so I ended up doing it all all four years of college. I'm an education major myself. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I didn't really have a lot of other needs in the summertime, so it worked yeah. out great. I grew up going to a different camp and loved it. Um, so working at camp in the summers was um super beneficial for me it was really fun and I, and I love the opportunity that it gave me to grow as a person and as a leader and really those summers and my years in um campus organizational ministry at college really helped form me but it is kind of funny because you know I've I've been here now year round since 2005 in the fall and uh wow. and I I keep getting older but the counselors don't they're always yeah, yeah. they stay the same age so <laughs> it's a, it's a unique environment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is true. I like uh, my, uh, my cultural references. Um, well, Top Gun now we got refreshed, so that was good. But yes. otherwise, yeah. The things like things I'm mentioning to them, like when I first started teaching, like that was when they, they were born and I was like, right. huh? Yeah. That's, that's yep. not going to work anymore.
1: Yeah. I definitely, there was a, a point not too long ago where I realized that I've been working here longer than most of the campers had been alive. But now, <laughs> That's true of the staff. It's, yeah. it's a little <laughs> yeah. crazy.
0: Exactly. So. So, um, and well, I guess let's just go back a little bit. So, like, what what kind of education major were you? I'm I'm just curious about that.
1: Yeah. So I went into elementary education, yeah. and it's funny because I loved school. I'm a, I'm one of those weirdo nerd people, uh, but no, I just really enjoyed school. But there's something about um, some of the opportunities I had as like a junior and senior in high school with uh, mentoring, even with helping my peers with their homework, there were just a lot of moments where my gifts for teaching were affirmed by Mm. others. Uh, Not, not talking about career, just, wow, you, I wish our teacher would explain it this way. And now I understand it. And I remember doing my student teaching and I had a gal in a seventh grade math class and uh, she at the end of the year uh, gave me a card and I still remember it. And she just said, thank you so much for being my teacher this year. I got a B. That's the best grade I've ever got in math. And my parents are so proud of me. And I'm so, I finally feel like I start to understand it. And I was like, ah, that's why I'm, That's why I went, went into teaching.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I call that getting paid. That's a, Those are like those like big, that's like a big check that you just, uh, you got exactly. put in front of you. Like, that's awesome.
1: I still remember it 20 years later.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and we have another podcast we could just start recording. that. We call it uh, The Road to Better Teaching, where we talk about your mile markers on, like, we tell stories of professional development. And, like, there you go. There's, there's yeah. your moment right there.
1: That's it. That's it.
0: So that's interesting. I mean, so, like, and I, I think back to my own story, too. Like, similar thing. I was a uh, a boy state counselor. And mm-hmm. that's where, you know, I was surrounded by a lot of teachers because a lot of you know teachers or you know administrators who had summers mm-hmm. off they were able to yeah. take a week off to be a boy state counselor and just being affirmed that way the same way like you know I was a, a computer science major and then a math man I was like this uh you know applied math engineering and physics major and it was like and they're like getting that affirmed like hey have you ever thought about teaching and like huh yeah <laughs> and then like hey 20 years later, here we go. So, yeah. Yeah. That works out. So that, I mean, that goes, I mean, so you talked about being a, a good student and that kind of leading, you know, good student and liking school and, and leading to uh, an education major. So mm-hmm. like, and this goes into some of the things that I'm seeing as a, as a you know teacher, teacher, sometimes we get folks that they loved school and they like, man, I would, you know, want to be a teacher and sometimes it's like well thinking like they're basically kind of repeating their own experience or mm-hmm. they're just or they're teaching themselves too like that that they see like the the students in the classroom are just copies of themselves so like that's that was like my my kind of my main question for like thinking about the great you know camper right the the person that attends the uh, camp and and they're really into it and they they they're enthusiastic about everything and how do you how do you help them transition into counselor like, and, and cause that's, that's something we're trying to think about as teachers. I, I, I that great student, I need think about like, you know, kind of stepping behind the desk and becoming the teacher. Like what, what, what do you do? Like how, what's, or how do you look for people that can make that transition? I guess there's a lot. Right? There.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a lot there. Um, and I would say it all just starts <laughs> with planting the seeds mm. It it all starts with, um, affirming gifts that you see. And uh, it, you know, how often did, you know, great teachers come out of, you know, having a great teacher or having someone yeah. that said, you know, you would be really good at this? And that just sticks. That kind of affirmation sticks. Yeah. And so at camp, you know, we have campers who come uh, from our youth camps, from our family camps, from even our day camps, which is more geared for younger kids. But we have staff apply that said, your counselors came to my church when I was a kid and did our vacation Bible school. And, you know, I always wanted to be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, the biggest thing is it starts with just affirming that idea in them, just saying, Hey, you know, one day you could do this. And to hear, hear a counselor that you really respect, just say that to you as a, as a kid, no matter what age of a kid you are, Yeah. then that, that means something. And so, it also just gets the idea because a lot of times I think people just have the consumer mentality where it's like, I'm in this for my experience. And, but they, they don't even think like, Oh, I could do that. In fact, that was my story for this year round role at camp. Like I did this summer camp counselor thing. Yeah, yeah. But when I was a senior in college, the camp called me and invited me to consider working year round at the camp. And I kind of like, I must have known intuitively that there were year round camp staff, but it didn't even dawn on me that that would be a career that I could pursue or that I would choose or anything. Mm -hmm. And so I really felt like um, that call and in every sense of the word um, was a big part of affirming me. So I think the first thing to like help campers think about being counselors is that, that affirmation in the first place, uh, invitation. Do you so there's a lot of other ways to... oh, that we, no, I was going to say, there's a lot of other ways that we equip staff, you know, yeah, yeah, once yeah. they get
0: here, but yeah. Well, so I guess too, like, are you constantly talking to your current counselors about, I mean, cause you know, there's a, there's a time limit. I mean, you know, for most of them, except for you, mm-hmm. there, there's a time limit <laughs> where, where eventually that they're going to move on and to be like, hey, you're, you're thinking about, who's going to be following you? Like, do you have that sort of mindset with, with your counselors?
1: A hundred percent. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, the reality is that we, we probably have an average of a two year stint with our staff. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's several that just do a summer. That's all they can do or the program they're in at college. They really do actually have to get an internship in the summer. And, you Mm -hmm. know, so they might have one, one summer with us, but there's a lot that do two summers Um, For the most part, it's like if you get here one summer and you experience it, most of the time staff are saying, I want to come back. Sometimes it doesn't work, but they want to. And then we have a number of people that come three or four summers and uh, and, you know, kind of average it all out. So I would say average we have a two summer uh, return, you know, for the staff, um, which is which is pretty amazing. But um, we so a lot of our campers come out of that. Uh, a lot of our staff come out of the camper system, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up, always seeing, in fact, a lot of the staff that I interview from that position, they, you know, I ask them, why do you want to work at camp? And they're like, I loved my time at camp. I love my counselors and I want to have the same impact on others that they had on me. I mean, that's just a really common response. And it's so great to hear, but we also get a lot of counselors from our former staff, like those that just worked here this last summer, they go back, they invite their friends or their younger siblings or their oh, yeah. cousins or or other people from their church or whatever, campus ministry and and kind of keep the system moving. So I always say that, uh, I always tell our staff directly, you are the best recruiters for the yeah. camp because I could go and stand on a college campus and have a display table, which I do right. <laughs> also. and <laughs> yeah. and i I could see a thousand college students walk by. And honestly, I wouldn't know a single one of them. I wouldn't know which ones would make good camp counselors. I wouldn't know. I know what it takes to be a good camp counselor. I just don't know any of these people. Yeah, but yeah. the but the staff who have worked here that are on those campuses, they are in the position to play matchmaker. Yeah. They know what it takes to be a good counselor. And they can identify that in their friends or their peers, I should say. And just and say, hey, find those people and encourage them to come. You got a guy that loves leading worship at your campus? Maybe you don't really know them that well, but you should just plant the seed and say, "Man, we have worship at camp. You'd love it there. You'd be able to help lead all summer long."
0: Yeah. So
1: that's another huge part of it. Yeah.
0: I think I and I think that's something that we don't do enough of as well from an education standpoint too. Of like, you know, thinking about our former, you know, students, especially those in like a secondary place. Like thinking about, you know, who are the who are those students out there that have the, these gifts and things. Like, for example, I mean, not, he won't listen to this anyway. My son is a really good teacher. Like he can, like I've seen him in multiple avenues. Like just if you gave him, you know, 10 minutes in the lesson for the kids ministry thing, I mean, he he would rock it. Yeah, they Kids would have a great time. They would get the message. You know, you wouldn't, you know, he would be right on it. He's a great, you know, uh, someone's trying to get some math stuff going or if he's trying, now he's like leading some speech and debate stuff. Great teacher. And just... I don't know. Like it's other than me saying, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about education? But versus like a teacher saying, Hey, you're, you've got some gifts here. And, yep. and, and, uh, you know, like the IC and you sort of statements. Yeah. Right. There. right exactly. Yeah. And, and like, for
1: teachers, you know, for teachers, unfortunately that, that almost has to happen during the schooling years of the, yeah. you know, middle and high school years where you, where you affirm that, mm-hmm. uh, because then by the time if they're choosing college, they you know, maybe there's a year where they're undecided, but for the most part, you kind of go into college with a path. Right, right, yeah. And so, like, the time for affirming that for teachers and students is is that, you know, high school window when they're thinking about career paths.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I guess that must be a satisfying part of your job, too, Is is, like, seeing kids, like, exercise these spiritual gifts that they have, yeah. you know, and, like, being able to like, maybe you've seen them light up a little bit like, Hey, I haven't had an avenue to use these before. And like, Whoa, (laughs) this is kind of amazing.
1: That's exactly right. Well, I mean, this is kind of even moving the conversation forward to what I mentioned about the staff training and equipping stuff, but there are so many people who come on board on staff. They, they apply, they say yes. I mean, Uh so we're already selected them Right. and they get to camp And we're on like day one or two of training. And I bet I have this conversation three or four times with three or four different people every year. And they say, I don't think I can do this. You know, they're like, I, and what they mean most of the time is I look around and I see all these people who seem to have it all together, or they know more than I do, Uh or they're better at skits, or they're better at speaking in front of the people, or they're not nervous, or they... You know, and I just, I just don't feel like I'm, I have it all together. And I said, well, first of all, I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> Nobody here has it all together. Yeah. Um, yes. Some people are gifted at skits. That's right. just the way it is. And they, they may struggle with one-on-one conversations because they don't know how to, how to listen. And you might thrive in that environment. And I said, plus we're just at the beginning of training and yeah. this training is set to equip you to feel ready, to to have the tools, to have the skills, to have the uh, mindset, to know what's coming up. You know, right now you just said yes to a whole summer, and you really don't know what it all entails. You know a little mm-hmm. bit. You know yeah, what yeah. camp is like, probably, but but you're you're still. It's understandable that you're feeling a little overwhelmed right now, but yeah. but just press through the training. And so many times they're just like they just. Like you said, they light up or yeah. they open up because they find the places where they really do shine. Yeah. And camp camp is amazing because you have so many opportunities for people's gifts to shine in their passions, from active games to music to teaching to interpersonal, you know, relationships or yeah. re- reflection times or whatever. I mean, there's such a variety: crafts and right. waterfront stuff. So it's it's a great place to watch people's gifts show up and then you affirm those gifts.
0: Yeah. Cause I imagine too, like part of it is, you know, Hey, there's going to be a kid that shows up. That's just like you, <laughs> you know, like that you're going to connect with and like, and like they're, they're maybe having the same doubts or they're, you know, that they're kind of wired the same way you are. And like, you have a chance to really, you know, Im- yeah, make their, make their camp, make their camp experience better. Absolutely. So, I mean, you kind of touched on this with like, you know, coaching folks up, but, um, so, I, and you, you're in a position where you're not, you know, you're not just dealing with the counselor, you're dealing probably with the, uh, uh, uh program directors too. So like the, those that are mm-hmm. kind of, kind of the teachers of the teachers, like what I think of like, so like thinking yeah. of like that second level. So how, do, how do you, how do you work with them? Like, how, how are you, you know, helping them improve, you know, throughout a summer from summer to summer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the first things that we do, um, even just harkening back to the question about the transition from camper to counselor, uh-huh. how do you how do you make that switch or that? Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the first things that we try to impress upon all of our staff when they come on board is um, a mantra that has been around longer than I have, and that mantra is "see the need, meet the need." And it's super simple, but really the biggest change uh, from camper to counselor is not not just skills or knowledge, it's attitude. Yeah. And and really it's a servant attitude. So yeah. at camp, this is one of our biggest um, emphases in training is trying to help staff adopt this servant mentality. You know, most, most kind-hearted people will like – if they are told about a need, they will do something to meet the need. Or if, if they see the need, they will, they will meet. If they see the wrapper on the ground, they'll pick it up. Or if someone asks them to, to do something, they'll do it. But our challenge is actually, no, see the need. Yeah. Like, first of all, like open your eyes, notice the way campers are reacting, listen, you know, for their heart and their stories, pay attention, to the physical needs and the safety needs around you look for ways to help to serve to show love so that's one of the biggest like coaching pieces we give right off the bat for every staff member and that's honestly where where I would say campers make the switch to counselors is when they're able to so when they're able to see that mantra and adopt it as their own and say hey how can I serve now yeah it's not about me when we're playing this game The goal of the game is not for me to win anymore (laughs) or to be the center of attention. The, the goal of this game is for campers to have fun. And if I have to lose for that to happen, so be it. If I have to sit on the sideline with the camper, that's not in it. So be it, you know, whatever it takes, like it's, it's not about you. It's about serving others. And that honestly, I don't want to say that takes care of a whole bunch of other things, but it really does. Yeah, it really does
0: i think i saw the last time we were there there was a large dodge dodgeball game yeah no, no no the game with the yeah with the big uh the can at the other end too you could like jailbreak everybody or whatever but yeah So the big dodgeball game in the big field and i saw i saw that in i think you joined us that was that was big hey man's playing. and and I, I think i saw that in action like you know seeing you know you're you could see can, uh, some counselors changing the way they were playing because I'm like, they're a good player. Like they're a pretty good player. But then all of a sudden, like they're just adjusting just a little bit so that, you know, making sure that, Hey, this is a fun thing. It's not just like, Oh, we're getting dominated by the counselors. And
1: it's, it's in dodgeball, you know, it's, it's getting the ball and sure. I could probably pelt that, you know, 11 year old on the other side, That's right. but yeah. I give my ball to the, to the 11 year old on my side. So they yeah, yeah. can have a chance to throw it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's take like, this.
0: Yeah. Go. Yeah. You, yeah. you get, go get him. Go get him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, you've got your 10,000 hours of dodgeball. Like I could, I could peg that guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. But it's not about that. It's not about yeah. people going, whoa, Dan's really good. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no. no, it's about this, this kid next to me. more than
0: That's names. right. That's right. Uh, what, um, so, Oh, go ahead. Keep going. I'll just say
1: jump. I mean, just kind of moving on, though, from coaching. And you talked about like some even some of the leadership staff. We do um, three weeks of staff training. Um, and oh, wow. the, first, lot. Yeah. the first week is just our our leadership staff. So we have on-site program directors. And then we also have, you know, teams of counselors that go and do day camps every week. So we have mm-hmm. day camp leaders. We have some other like support staff that are are coordinators for junior counselors and rec fund and things like that so we do a week with just leadership staff and and a lot of that is centered on how do you coach the counselors Mm. so that one of the biggest things that we talk about is like you mentioned right away it's all about relationship i mean really like if if you're on a power trip and you're just trying to get your way or you think people should listen to you because of your position well guess what they're probably not going to listen as <laughs> yeah. much. You know, they may follow your orders, mm-hmm. but nobody enjoys that and nobody feels built up. But if they if they trust you and and if our leaders have that servant mentality, then then it makes all the difference. If they if, if our counselors know that our leaders are for them. In fact, we actually do a training where we we talk about leadership and we, we show like an upside down pyramid. Most organizational charts have like, you know, the executive and then yeah. the managers and mm-hmm. then the whatever the down at the bottom, the grunts. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and that's how it feels. You know, that's how it feels. And, you, you know, the grunts are working their way up. Well, we actually flip that upside down mostly because Jesus did. Yeah. He said, Who- yeah. whoever among you would be the greatest must be the least and be a servant of all. And, and so we kind of say that too. It's like a really good leader supports and lifts up their counselors. If you think of them as the front line of, of ministry, then everything that you do is not so much about leadership as in terms of authority. It's about supporting and encouraging them in their roles. Yeah. And so that's really like the job, even though we have this leadership title, really, it's a support role. Right. You're not better. You're not, you know, we don't, we didn't pick you because you're a better person or even a better counselor, but we feel that you had gifts to, to lead. And mm-hmm. so we want you to be using your gifts and encourage the counselors to be using theirs. If, if the counselors feel like you are supporting and encouraging and equipping them, they are going to thrive. Yeah. And and then the ministry to the campers is going to be a hundred times better. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest like mindset shifts that we work through in our, in our leadership training.
0: Yeah. Especially when you, you know, talk about the idea of like this idea of see the need, meet the need, like the, you know, you like can't, can't be like, Hey, here's all these needs. Like you're, you're not seeing them. Cause you're not that you're not, you're with every family. You're not at with every counselor, you're a ca- camper. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't, you can't, <laughs> just uh, you know call on the walkie-talkie like hey meet these needs like you don't know because that's why. yeah has to be um has to be that way and then also too i love that you're you're talking about like um we have the greatest example with with jesus and like you know i always talk about like we're we do a lot of education research and a lot of times we're coming up with like hey work in groups use context like you know like like let people struggle a little bit like help you it took 2000 years for us to figure out like, Hey, he, he, he's a pretty good example. Yeah, she knew
1: some things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, even what you said, um, something about making mistakes, like don't be, that's one of our biggest things is like, we, there's a lot of room for failure mm-hmm. at camp, not, not in the big macro ways. You know, we have our yeah. system set up here. It's, it's really hard to, to do that. You have to try almost, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but, but like, So you give a share up front with people and it's not, you know, Billy Graham. Okay, no problem. Okay. Like, but you're you're trying it, you're doing it and you're supported in it. And it's just one of the most, um, I think, nurturing environments for trying, trying new things. Okay, so maybe you didn't do theater in high school and here you're in a skit. (laughs) It's way out of your comfort zone. And guess what? There are people that love this stuff and they help. And they kind of carry the skit and you're along for the ride or like music is a good example. So I lead our our worship band at Okaboji, and like I could lead with just myself and a guitar. Okay. It would be fine. It would be better if other people joined and added a keyboard and drums and other singers and a bass guitar and whatever. And you know, it's okay if they're not an all-star keyboard player, you know, I want to help teach them some of the basics so they can play along, but by the end of the summer, they're going to be much more confident in yeah, yeah. playing. And that's my story with guitar. Even my first summer as a counselor, we had like six counselors playing guitar at campfires. <laughs> and, you know, two of them were really good. And they were the leaders, of course. And they they led all the songs. And the rest of us just kind of stood around and played along. Yeah. And if I messed up, it didn't matter. Nobody right. knew. And yep. I could just start playing again when I figured it out. And, <laughs> yeah. But by the end of the summer... I was confident enough to like lead the worship at a day camp or at a campfire and just a great leadership, uh, nurturing environment.
0: Nice, Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And just it's like given, given space for people to play a little bit, you know, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, so what is the, best thing you got going right now, uh, that you're doing right now, either with your, um, you know, processes or practices or at, at, at camp? Um,
1: that's really hard. We, uh, we have a lot of great programs and it's hard to say one of them is, you know, the best thing. Um, we, we run six weeks of family camp every summer at Okaboji where the whole family comes from Sunday to Friday for vacation. And and that is just so sweet uh, to see families interact with each other in this environment where there's no, they don't have to worry about cooking. Yeah. They don't have to worry about cleaning. They don't have to worry about the social media or they don't have to worry about schedules or practices or anything like they just get to be together. It's It's just uninterrupted family time. And there's time for kids to be with the other kids their age and the adults to just, have some time with the other adults, but you know it's just great, great family time, and that's really special. I think more because it feels more rare now in our society um, that you see families spending that much time just together.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll plug. So, let me let me plug that for a second, because yeah. like I yeah you know, I tried it, you know, and somebody's like, "Wait, how far are you going up?" Or can like because you know from here to there is pretty long drive. But yeah, but thinking like, um, and I just say to people, like, imagine, you know, a camp experience, imagine your whole family at a camp experience. And then and and just doing all the camp together as a family without the Yeah, like with all like you said, without all the worries about cooking, cleaning, like it's just everything's taken care. Of. And like, Hey, look, there's a fun event gonna happen. There's, a, there's this craft you can do together, like, you know, and then having the like the regular things that are, uh, you know, that happen at camp. But then all of a sudden like, Hey, this year, guess what? We've got a, uh, um, an escape room that we planned on like, Hey, this is awesome. (laughs) This is amazing. And so like doing that as a family where, you know, maybe you don't have, because of, you know, busyness and stuff, you're not spending that time together, but like, you've made this commitment to be together and experience camp together. And it's like, uh, it's, it's so, and like that my kids are saying, Hey, are we going to camp? Like that's 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 the fun part they to and they want to do it as a family that's that's the fun
1: well we have i i I can't tell you how many times because it's it's more than a handful maybe more than two handfuls where a family has come to camp for the first time or the second time and they really enjoy it and they're talking with their family kind of on the way home um and they're they're saying well that was great what do you guys want to do next year like do you want to go to yellowstone or disney and they're like uh, I remember one family specifically they said that and the kids were like yeah 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 and then somehow they found out that that meant they wouldn't do camp like it was an mm. either or thing and they were like oh no we we have to go to camp yeah, well, yeah. that means we can't go to Disney okay we want to go to camp And yeah, I'm yeah. Like, what yeah it's awesome <laughs> that's so great and it it speaks to the value of that time together. There was a, I remember there was a Facebook video of, uh, interviewing kids and they asked them a bunch of funny questions. And at the end, one of the questions was, if you could have lunch with anyone in the whole world, who would it be? And it was, uh, like tear jerking even to see how many of the kids just said, my mom, my dad, you know? And it was just like, what? (laughs) like how special parents are to their kids and how impact impactful or whatever they are that they don't even realize. Yeah. And and this time together is so valuable. You couldn't even put a dollar amount on it, but, but we do. Cause you have to. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, um, that, that's a pretty great thing. Yeah. We have youth camps, our day camps partnering with churches are, Exploding last summer, we had to say sorry to ten churches that we couldn't staff day camp teams oh, to go wow. to their churches. And a lot of the churches that bring our teams of counselors to do their VBS say they just love the the energy that the camp brings with the curriculum, and they bring that that taste of camp to church. Um, so they love that too. And we have a lot of great programs throughout the year, even for just for adults. Yeah, that are really exciting for me personally. I think what we were talking about at the beginning is one of the most exciting things for me is watching young adults come into camp and just gain this whole new sense of identity of who they are as Christians and who they are in their own skin, like their gifts and talents. And and they meet some really solid friends that often are lifelong friends. Um, and watching them grow up, um, to, to be involved in the church, whether it's in ministry jobs or whether it's as a parent that's willing to teach Sunday school or be a mm-hmm. confirmation leader or whatever. So I think for me, that's one of the most personally exciting things is, is the development of these, um, ca- campers into counselors, into leaders in the church.
0: Yeah. Um, so, and I guess this is another question too, cause like, you know, camp is, is so fun and all the great things that are happening there. And, but you know, how do you, how do you balance? Cause you're also teaches some serious. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. You know, it's, there's something where there's, there's some kid that like is making a commitment, right. That like, Hey, hadn't thought about that. Like just went for a good time. All of a sudden he's like thinking about things and thinking about his relationship with, with Christ and, and making a, a commitment. Like, and so, you know, being a, you know preparing kids to, you know, like counselors for doing skits and things like that. But all of a sudden, like, Hey, this kid's having a moment. Like, how do you best support? How do you, how do you balance that? The, the, the fun and the serious.
1: Yeah. I remember when I was, uh, uh, kind of first a counselor and, you know, the word mature, To me, mature was equivalent of serious, (laughs) like, like, and then there was the goofy fun, uh, you know, and and so like, oh, grow up or, you know, get much more mature. But I think my definition of mature um, changed at camp Hmm. to be something like being mature is is knowing when to be fun and silly and knowing when to be serious if you want to use that word yeah. as as a as an opposite. But the thing about camp is it's all of both of those things. Like it's that you can't really uh separate them. Yeah, sure. In the schedule, like there's going to be the games and activities where we run around and chase kids with socks, you know, and tag <laughs> them and you know that kind of stuff. And there's going to be dodgeball and there's going to be goofy things too, skits. But And there's going to be some what you call serious moments, the drama that we watch, the the messages that are shared and the Bible studies that are there. And and I think um, one of the things that makes camp so meaningful is that it has all of both of those things in a day. It's the unfortunate thing, you know, I'm thinking church world. When you have kids in Sunday school, you have them for 45 minutes, you know, on a Sunday morning. And you have a lesson that you're trying to get through. And so that's really what Sunday school is, is even by nature of the name, like Sunday school, it's like coming to learn as if learning was the ultimate goal. And, and even in church, sometimes there can just be this, it's serious. So you get this, you get this mentality that you go to church, you got to sit and listen, and then you got to sit and worship and listen, and then you go home and then it's kind of a disconnect, but at camp, all the worlds come together. And in fact, our core values, you know, um are a big part of shaping our camp experience. And one of them is playful, loving Christian community. Yeah. Like we want kids to have fun. And so much brain research has been done about how um you know the direction that the brain processes things. Yeah. And uh the first thing that has to be addressed is this safety, like mm. fight or flight response. Yeah, yeah. And it's, so we always say safety is the most important thing. You might think it's Jesus, but you know, <laughs> at camp, right. But actually safety is the most important because if that's not there, nothing you say in Bible study is going to matter. They're going to still be this, like, am I safe? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then, and that also goes kind of the sense of belonging, you know, like it's like emotionally safe. Do they feel like they're connected mm-hmm. to the community? So, that's, that's what we talk about with our counselors. First, the campers have to be safe and feel safe. And secondly, they have to feel connected, like emotionally safe in this place. Then you start to get into the part of your brain where you can process ideas and thoughts and Bible studies and, and identity stuff and reflect. And so much of that safety comes through play. Yeah, the relational safety, the sense of belonging, man, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, they might at best get like two hours a week with their kids, you know, maybe a Sunday, maybe a Wednesday, you know, maybe a lock in, which adds more. But when you (laughs) add that up over the span of a year, it's like a little over 100 hours. Mm -hmm. A week of camp is all of that and a little more. And you have and you're you're with each other all throughout the day. So your counselor, you're, you're eating breakfast with them. You're going to worship with them. You're playing dodgeball with them. You're having Bible study with them. You're swimming in the lake. You're brushing your teeth. You know, it's like, so a counselor cannot fake it for 24 hours a day, six days in a row. Right. And so, so we tell them, don't even try, don't even try to fake it. You're not, you're not perfect. And, like, but you love Jesus and you should love these kids. And when they see that, their walls are gonna come down and they're gonna be open to to they're gonna believe what you have to say because they see every part of your life for these six days. Yeah. So I think I think the the balance of fun and serious is really not so much a balance as a, a marriage of the two. Right. And I think that's what makes camp such a special environment.
0: Yeah. And I, and I know, like, you know, a school environment is not the same as a camp environment, but still, like, I wish, you know, to take what, what you just said about the, you know, safety and, and belonging and, and play and, like, one, yeah. well, that was worth the price of admission here. Thanks, Dan. That, that was perfect. Like, it be a <laughs> call out there. there but just, go. like, just ha- embracing that a, a little bit and, like, yeah, there is, you know, there is some uh, boundaries, but, like, when you're asking, you know, students to... Like we're just talking about math, like one of the one of the number one standard for mathematical practice for math is to make sense of problems and persevere in solving them. Persevere means struggle. Struggle means like, hey, I'm not gonna struggle if I don't feel safe, if I don't feel I belong, like because there's some yeah. you know insecurity there that's happening. And so being able to like create an environment for that to happen. And so like thinking about how have I, what have I done to establish that? Or am I just saying, Hey, do this. And, and I haven't laid that groundwork yet. That's, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. So I, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I have a quick story from my student teaching about that. I did seventh grade math for seven weeks Oh, beautiful! and yeah. And I, um, every Friday, the last 10 minutes of the period We're just it was a writing prompt and I know I'm in math class yeah. but this writing prompt was mostly to help me get to know the kids and the first day the first Friday I did it I just said okay here's your writing prompt my favorites and they said like my favorite what and I'm like you tell me <laughs> you just list whatever things you want to tell me and then write your favorites and I got to know like their favorite vacation spot or their favorite movie and all of a sudden like I even wrote back a couple of comments on it, and then gave it back to them and said, "Oh, I love Star Wars, yeah, yeah, big fan." And then the next week, I said the prompt was my family. Okay, well, they just told me whatever they wanted about their family. I didn't ask anything else. That's all I said. And then, but there was one boy in particular who uh, wore these T-shirts. They were the band Kiss. They were like these button-up, full, you know, color oh, yeah. pictures of, and he wore them like every week which partly says something too about his situation at home. But I remember he loved the band kiss and he struggled with math. Mm-hmm. So every day I had a problem on the board uh, that they would work on while they were coming into class. And it was either like a review of yesterday or kind of a transition into what we were going to be talking about today. Yeah. And uh, I remember just thinking about this kid and I wrote, wrote out this story problem. And I said, okay, the band kiss is coming to Sioux falls. They're doing a concert. And they're setting up their speakers and every, they need to have 180 degrees, you know, we're doing angles and stuff. And each speaker has a 60 degree, you know, array or spread. How many speakers do they need to cover? You know, so they just had to do some simple angle math and things. But the kid, I remember, he sits down in his chair and he, he looks up at the board and I was watching him. He looks up at the board, he reads the problem. He turns around and looks at me. He turns around and looks at the board and then he looks at me again. He says, did you do that just for me? And I was like, yeah, I did. Yeah. And he was like, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's wonderful.
1: But it's fun. And, and I, I, I shared this story because it, even in a school environment, like anything you can do to cross the, the bridge of relationship and, and build that trust. That's what we do at camp through fun and play, you know, at school, there's a little bit of that at recess or PE or whatever, but for the most part, like that happens in the classroom. And, and frankly, it is important to make the most of the time you have in the classroom yeah, yeah. for education, but anything you can do to build that relationship of trust is gonna help those walls come down and those kids feel safe. And then they're gonna be more open to to learn.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I thought that, that that's, that's pretty good. Um, well, I, I'll ask this one, and maybe it's something uh, different. So, uh, as you, anyone we're thinking about uh, on Amazon Planet, we like to think about teaching better. So, um, yep. you know, you're an experienced educator, and so, what is the best thing you have learned to help you be a better teacher?
1: Um, pro- you know, honestly, I probably jumped the gun on what I shared before, but that's oh, that's, okay. um, that's probably the biggest thing is yeah. is uh, the the relationships. And when I I remember being an education major working on staff in the summers, and uh, you know, I would learn a lot of the theories in school, but at camp, I would learn what works. Yeah. (laughs) Like I was able to just be with the kids and, you know, like uh, simple things like attention getters. Okay. So you're in a classroom and you know, you got the classic turn off the lights if the kids are being too loud and then tell them to quiet down or you put marks on the, chalkboard and if they get too many marks they don't get a sticker or they don't get to go to reset i mean that kind of stuff you know and at camp um learning a little technique of like if you can hear my voice clap once and then the four people around you will clap and then everyone kind of stops and turns like why are all these people oh and all of a sudden you have their attention you never had to yell you never had to put them down but a lot of it's just practical things that helped me um, engage with people. Yeah. It wasn't so much the teaching theories or things like that, but it was it was the, at camp, it really helped me to, to see how to work with people and value people. And the content will come, you know, yeah. and you're going to, as a teacher, I know you have to scaffold all over the place to get this whole classroom of kids. That's all across the spectrum. And you're supposed to teach this one thing. And, and so you're going to have to spend time more with one kid than another and might not seem fair, but you know, you want to be equitable in what you do. You want to help everyone have the best chance of success.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm going to throw one back at you. I think one of the, th- you know, I've learned a lot of things and actually the um, camp has been a, a topic on this podcast more than once. I mean, um, even talking about, we were talking about, uh, I think, one of our counselors at family camp, Taylor, I think his name is Taylor, like talked about this like year of discipleship he did. And so like, I've done that where we're in the pro I did that with my oldest and now with Noah and going through that with Annie and I'll be doing it with Jack I just like, you know, kind of like, that was like, like Hey, that's a, this, this is a pretty good kid. I'm like, I'm going to do something like that because like he's, he's turned out well. Um, yeah. And anyway, but the, the thing that I wanted to point out was, you know, there's an expectation with camp and just like, you know, I think about like, you know, people with the, you know, less, you know, I got a lot of teachers and they're thinking about lesson planning and they're thinking about all these different creative things, but there's like, there's something comfortable about the regularity of camp. Not that camp is the same every single year, but there's like expectations like, uh, you know, there's the, with the, the, the shares that happen. that I know when the campfire, I know when I'm going to get a s'more usually I can I'm gonna schedule that. I know when, you know, that Dan is going to share his, uh, the, the, this finger, finger story. Like, yeah. And like the finger trick and like, or I'm going to hear certain things or like, there's going to a chance yeah. to do, we're going to play bonkers. But, but there's this expectation, but then within that, like there's, there, there's, There's the structure, but then there's the creativity that happens within it, right? And Mm so, you know, and and even talking about the call and response thing, like having ways that, you know, you, you, you know, capture your students' attention that are regular, but it becomes like, hey, that's the identity. That's our class. Like, that's the identity of it. Or that's the identity of camp. Like, that's what it means to be in camp. That's what it means to be in my class. And like embracing some of those things, even if like they seem... You know, like I, I was like, like uh, it seems kind of uncool right now, but no, that uncoolness becomes part of the what's cool about being in that class. Like, this is what we do. This is the thing. Like, I always, I never, I've never given a test. I've always given a celebration. We do celebrations of learning, and so <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that came from my uh, my uh, cooperating teacher, and so that became like the identity of my class. And like, you know, something like celebration, and like, and like by the end, I'm like, yeah, we're celebrating our learning. <laughs> like, uh-huh. you know, yeah, become yep. something like that. So, totally. but I appreciate your time, Dan. I think I've taken more than I, I said I would, but, uh, I, no, this I is mean, great. lots of great sharing and things, but, uh, and you did talk about some of your programs and we can put the, the website uh, on our yeah. show notes here, but anything that you want to promote, uh, going forth. Sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, bit there's really like three things that I can think of. Um, one is signing up for camp. If you, if you think this is an experience you want Um, You could bring a group of kids to a high school week or a a junior high week or bring your family to family camp. Um, It's a wonderful summer getaway um, at the lakes. Um, Also, just putting in the plug is applying for summer staff. Mm -hmm. And it's very likely that most of the people listening won't be applying for summer staff. Right. But but they know someone. Yeah. They know some high school junior or senior or they know some college student that would be great at camp. They're really good with kids. They're, you know, uh, involved in church or, or campus ministry or something like that. And uh, your personal encouragement to say, hey, I heard this weird guy on a podcast and he <laughs> talked about working at camp. It sounded pretty amazing. You should check it out. So it's just our website, okabojiorg slash apply. And you can find out um, a lot more about working at camp and apply right online there. Um, and then the last thing that's just really exciting is that in, uh, in 2024, uh, Ingham Okoboji Lutheran Bible Camps will be celebrating a hundred years of ministry. Oh, wow. So the camp, uh, Okoboji Lutheran Bible Camp was founded in 1924. And then, um, along the way, um, joined with Ingham Lake Bible Camp and now we, we operate one ministry running two camps and so we're celebrating our 100th anniversary in 2024 so there's wow. going to be a fun year full of celebration and just amazing um uh, God's faithfulness in this ministry through the century you know yeah, really <laughs> yeah
0: that's amazing that is yeah. Amazing. yeah well and I'll do another plug for you know, any you know teachers uh or to be teachers out there i mean i remember when i did i did day camp all through my college. And like, I was like, I felt so confident. Give me a room with 20 kids and, you know, an hour. Like I can, I can, I'll be fine. I'll be just yeah. fine where that could terrify some people. Like I'll, I'll be camping, yeah. camp, camp prepared me. So yeah,
1: it's one of the best opportunities for education majors, especially. Oh, but we have counselors that are all kinds of majors as well. And some that, you know, aren't even in college, but they're working and they just mm-hmm. took a, a summer off to do this. So
0: absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for your time and I uh, appreciate you and all you do uh, up at camp.
1: Joel, thanks for having me on today. This is really fun.
0: All right. Hey, that's a fun conversation. I, I mean, we even talked about a little bit about theory in there, a little bit educational theory and how I can apply and, and think about play and all that. I was good. I was really, I was really happy. happy with that episode is exactly, you know, like you have a vision for the conversation and sometimes, you know. I asked people to be on the podcast, like kind of when you know, I asked Rob Harvella to be on the podcast, he's like, really, you want to talk about teaching? I'm a I'm a rock critic and that has a podcast about the 90s and music and like, you really want to have a conversation? And like, and maybe it's similar with Dan, like, what, what are we doing here? What are we talking about? And we talk about learning how to teach better. And again, we can find how to learn how to teach better in, in various spaces. And then again, that's why I wanted to start this podcast is to talk about, um, you know, kind of these... Non-traditional sources for learning how to teach better, and again, we we tap into traditional sources as well, um, like thinking about our conversation with Mandy Jansen about rough draft math and some of the other things that we've done. But I don't know, I kind of like doing these like maybe outside the box a little bit, but it wasn't too outside the box. Again, Dan's got a lot of background in education and and thinks thinks pretty deeply about it, and also has like a what works sort of mindset. I, I like that so. All right, now I want to jump into the mailbag real quick. I had a comment happen in class that's a question I get a lot uh, when people learn like what I do uh, and thinking about, you know, teaching math and also teaching teachers that teach math and like, so I had a question about like this and, and it's a question I've heard over and over again. So perfect for the mailbag. And this also goes for, you know, folks that are entering into, uh, you know, young kids that are entering in elementary school and you get like, I don't understand this math. And so, Uh, question I get often is something to this effect is, does it matter how my kid solves a math problem? Because we have ways, right? We have these ways that we know how to solve, like I've got the standard algorithm, it's worked for me, uh, and I know how to use it, and I can can show my kid how to use it, and why can't they just do it that way? All right. First, algorithms and and methods for solving a problem. We want to open up ways. And this is for any teacher also too. We want kids to solve problems in a number of different ways and and to see it. And and like, it's not about just getting the answer. Yes. We want our kids to be able to get accurate answers that yes, we do want that, but we want them to explore different methods. Right. And it's not about efficiency at first. Okay. It eventually gets to efficient, but we want it to be about understanding All right. We want them to understand what they're doing. And here's a quick question: Like when you're doing like a standard algorithm for multiplying two two two-digit numbers, and you multiply that first number by both the the unit, you know the the units the units number and the second on the bottom number, you multiply that by the units on the top number, and then you multiply it by the tens digit in the top number, and then you know, so you get those answers and then you go down to the next row and in a standard algorithm, you move over. Can you explain why you move over? Right. Can you explain why you move over? Does that make sense to you? Or you just know, I just do it. And when I'm done, it, it's the same product that I would get as if I did it in the calculator. Right. And so sometimes you think about it, we've done these algorithms or even like the subtraction algorithm where you, you know, borrow and stuff like that. Do you know why you're doing that? Or you just do it without thinking. We want our kids to understand why things work, right? And so, we, like you want a kid to like model a subtraction problem with base 10 blocks where that borrowing becomes, hey, I'm turning this, this unit of 10s into 10 singles, right? 10 individual units, right? So I have one 10 and that one 10 becomes 10 single units. That's important in order, again, to gain that understanding. It's not efficient right? Efficient would be just drill into the algorithm, but rather like showing them how to separate it out. So another way, and you're thinking about like knowing your facts, right? Knowing your number facts. And so the, um, the idea of like, you know, if I'm going to add six plus five together, right? So if I'm going to add six plus five together, you know, we, you know, a lot of people out there are like, well, that's 11, right? We just know it, right? It's a fact, we know that it's 11. We've got it. If you showed it on a flashcard, boom, we've we've got that one down. So for a kid that's just learning what it means to add, if you showed them a flashcard or just learning to add, not only just learning to add, but just learning numerals and thinking that the numeral six, right, is some made up symbol that represents a quantity of six things, right? And that the numeral five, again, another made up symbol, that we're saying is one less than the other made-up symbol. And again, we've structured that. Like, like kids have to learn that those symbols actually have some sort of meaning that's not automatic. It wasn't automatic for you either, right? And so thinking like, I've not need to know that that five is five individual. So first for a kid is just doing the translation. Like, oh yeah, that's six. That's that six means six individual units. They might count it out, count out six things like six counters, six chips, right? Or six, uh, whatever blocks. And they count that out and they see the five and they count out the five and then they push those things together and then they count them out again. And just counting is another skill where there's, I got to know the n- names, right? These made up names that we've created, right? So one, two, three, those are all made up names that we need to know that those are connected to a quantity. And so I need to know the names, I need to know one-to-one correspondence. So when I point to one or touch one, that I've counted it; it's been counted. So I slide it, maybe. So I've got that, and then I also have to know cardinality. That when whatever the one I stop at, so I stop at eleven. You know, I've counted each of them. I slid them over, maybe, to make sure I know that they're counted. I know that when I start the slide, slide the last one over, it's eleven. That I've that eleven is how many items that I have, and that that quantity of 11 items, represents the word 11, but then also represents the symbol for 11, which would be the two numerals, one, one, right? For one ten 10 and one single, right? Or one unit. So there's a lot there, right? So that's one thing, one way to do it. That's, a, that's called direct modeling. Another way to do it would be to maybe count on, right? So if I'm adding uh, five plus six, I might say, okay, I know I've got five. In my head, I got five. And then, so maybe I count out, you know, six objects, just like, okay, five. And then I go, you know, six, seven, you know, so I'm counting on the six beyond my five. So six seven eight nine ten eleven So I'm, I'm, I'm sliding things on the desk that you can't see, but just imagine that. So I'm counting on, right? I'm counting on from the So if I'm five plus six, I'm counting on from the first number I heard. Oh, I heard five. I got five in my head. Now I'm counting on six. Now, a one level of sophistication beyond that. So we've got direct modeling where we count out them all, put them together, count them all out after that. That's one level of sophistication. Another level could be to count on from the first number. Another level of sophistication could be like the kids like, Ooh, six is bigger than five. So I'm going to start with the bigger number six and then count on five from there. And then I can use my counter that I have with me at all times, my right hand, And so I know I'm going to add five more onto six. So I got six in my head. All right, seven, and I'm pointing each of my fingers, eight, nine, 10, 11, right? So do that. And then on from there, I might have some other strategies like, ooh, I know five plus five is 10 and six is one more than five. So I get 11 or I know six plus six is 12 because I know a dozen eggs because we get egg, we cook eggs all the time in my house and I see a dozen eggs and I know a dozen is 12 and I see a six and six and sometimes I see six and one egg is away because it was cracked or broken or like we used it. So I see six and five. I know that that's one less than 12, which is 11. Right? So those are kind of these impromptu strategies that kids might have um, to use. And so that gets them to it until finally they know 6 plus 5 is 11. Okay, That's a lot of steps to get to the flashcard fact that 6 plus 5 is 11. A lot of times we just skip over all of that to get to the 6 plus 5. So when it says, does it matter how my kid solves a problem? Yeah, it does. But we want to make sure that we're we have opportunities to advance. And so, you know, from what I would do is when I'm in, this is what I have done when I'm in, you know, like a kindergarten or first grade classroom, where we're doing problems like that is have kids solve it and then have kids share their methods. Like, Oh, you counted all of them out and then counted them all up. All right. Fantastic. And Another kid counted on and another kid counted on from the larger one. And they do these different strategies and they're like, Hey, we're going to do another one. Why don't you try somebody else's strategy? Right or try in, and name them like hey try Bill strategy or, or try Juan strategy or whatever right ask them to you know name a strategy after a kid and have them try that one that gives kids ownership they get a little bit of pride and now we're trying to advance their strategies down the path to to eventually where they do know that like six plus five is eleven or then going back to the original point of thinking about like these standard algorithms where. Again, maybe if the objective is to learn the standard algorithm, yeah, so maybe they need to use the standard algorithm. But if it's not, there's other methods that kids can use that help them gain understanding. Yes, eventually, the standard algorithm has some efficiencies to it. We want to expose them to it, and we want them to know it, and so they can understand it. But we also, we want to make sure that there's comprehension of what they're doing, right? Right. Because a lot of times we're just regurgitating things. It took me until I was a teacher of mathematics to understand, uh, you know, thinking about regurgitating is that there was a connection between the distance formula and the Pythagorean theorem. Like I didn't really realize that. Maybe you didn't realize that, but it is. It's basically the distance formula is basically the Pythagorean theorem. And I didn't realize it. And so like there's like these connections that exist out there that we could be using to help kids gain understanding um, to make sure that they see what they're doing, right? They have an they haven't of what they're doing. Math is not magical, it's logical, okay? So if you're stressed out about like, you know, the way a kid's doing it, like, hey, just let's, let's try to make sense of it together. Let's make sense of what we're trying to do. And, and that in and of itself, one, that's a good bonding experience with a kid. And also two, that's a way to help get at the point of, let's focus in on the understanding, right? Focusing on the understanding. So there's a mailbag. There's maybe that's not a mailbag. Maybe that's more of a rant, but there it is. Okay. All right. So, uh, we had a great conversation with Dan Antoine. We had a mailbag about, uh, Hey, how's kids solve a problem? What am I concerned about? Again, thinking about what's the point. If the point is to, uh, actually learn the, that specific way of solving the problem, that's great. But otherwise Hey, let's let them solve it in a variety of ways and just make sure that there's understanding about how they're doing it and that they understand how they're doing it. Okay. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Amazon Planet podcast. Show notes can be found at AmazonPlanet.com forward slash episode 81. Now, for those of you looking for ways to support the podcast, you can submit a question, comment, or suggestion to the mailbag by sending an email to joel at AmazonPlanet.com. You can also support by subscribing, rating, or reviewing. Uh, or sh- and sharing this episode, which will allow more people looking for similar content to find it. As always, you can follow at Amidon Planet, on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or like the Amazon Planet Facebook page. All right. Thanks for spending time on Amazon Planet. Thanks to Dan Antoine for sharing uh, his time and expertise. Thanks to Matt Mifflin for the music in this episode. And finally, thank you to all of you out there learning to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you've been given to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace.